Welcome to the NLPcourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Diving into physiology, neuroscience and linguistic programming so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career. Moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money or make a real difference to people's lives. Tune in weekly if you care more than others. Think wisely as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe and receive our free newsletter and other goodies. Here is your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello, my name is John Cassidy Rice. I have the pleasure to be your host for this podcast. And this week, we have Dan O'Connell with us, and he's come up with a technique for helping people in stressful situations. And I love the story he told me about how he discovered this, which really does illustrate. You can learn from the world around you some very valuable techniques if you're just paying attention. Hello, Dan. Uh, Hello, John. Thank you for joining us. And I'm very intrigued about the technique you come up with. So what might be nice for people listening who've not come across you just a little bit about your background and the technique around stress and how you got involved in that. Um, okay. Uh, well, I worked in a number of different jobs over my life, including farming and atomic energy research establishments <laughs> and uh, uh, all over the Northern Hemisphere promoting energy efficiency. But uh-huh. one of the things I did when I retired was to qualify as a, an NLP um, coach and that enabled me to see things in a way that I hadn't been able to see them before excellent so you you've been helping people who have been in stressful situations uh, so how did you get involved in that well it's just at, at my age now I'm more interested things like oh let me start again the, the, the NLP training taught me stuff that I had never had a clue about before, and I realized that that was capable of helping people. I'm at an age now where I got a pension. I don't really want to be a millionaire, or that would be nice for my kids. Um, <laughs> and so if I could do something for other people, that seemed like a reasonable objective. Excellent. So you've come up with a technique for helping people uh, in a stress situation, which sounds profoundly simple. And anything that works tends to be profoundly simple. Tell me about how did you come around discovering it and what is the technique? Well, this is where it may sound a little bit odd, but I used to take my dog, a wonderful English Springer Spaniel, Uh, down to the beach, and he loved that, maybe for an hour and a half, even two hours each time we went, running along the rocks, up the cliffs, and even chasing oyster catchers by swimming after them, which I always thought was rather funny. Excellent. But at the end of our walk, we would get back to the car, and he started refusing to get in the car. 
Now, at first I thought he was disobedient, then I thought he was wanting to go back to the reach, and then I realized, no, this was something important he had to do, and the look on his face told me, let me do this. And so I did, and he would take five minutes, a full five minutes, uh, basically meditating. And I saw him using his eyes to take in the world around him, but not moving his head, just his eyes. Um, then he would cock his ear, as a dog would, uh, to hear, I don't know, a seagull, a car, something. And then he would sniff, golly, a dog sniffing, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and finally, <clears throat> he licked his lips. Then he just stood there with his eyes closed, and you could see him, well, I could see him feeling the wind going through his fur. And then he would say, right, let's go, uh, in his own language, jump in the car and we're off. And he was well happy. But that was always a full five minutes. Um, so that, that that's the introduction, I suppose. Yeah. And it, well, in this day and age where we tend to be in a rush all the time, we can become frustrated when when the dog, child, or someone we know is taking their time. Indeed. And that's what one of the things I learned, really, I think probably through NLP, to understand what he was telling me, which is, this is important, I need to do it, let me. Yes. Yeah, so uh, building that awareness of the world around you helped you to pay attention to your own dog, which I, I guess you knew quite well anyway. And to read those oh, yes. signals. Oh, we were very close. Yes, he was very helpful in many ways. <laughs> Excellent. And, and that seemed to be the trigger for you coming up with the technique. Is that correct? Well, yes. Uh, I was so fascinated by his repetitive behavior doing this every time we went to the beach after this. So when he got to a certain age, about eight, I think it was, that he started on this. And so I tried it in the garden and took five minutes. Now, I I'd had to do some interpreting, of course, and yes. I used a process of dissociation, meaning I was, I was in the garden, but I imagined that I was actually upstairs looking out into the garden, watching me, watching myself. Can, can you get that idea? Yes. And then I went through the whole process that he'd been through of understanding, feeling my environment through my eyes, because all our experience comes through our senses and uh, the eyes, and then listening, but not just listening for individual things, but listening as part of the environment. Um, then the sniffing, which wasn't very beneficial to me, and taste, or oh, there might be a bit of sugar on my lips left from breakfast or something like that. <laughs> And then finally, just feeling the environment I was in. That, is it cold? Is it windy? Is it warm? Is it wet? Um, that sort of thing. And, in, and from there, went into my emotions. And down my spine, I found various mixed emotions, anxieties and stresses. And as I stood there, they bubbled away. I thought, wow. I then came out of the uh, the state or whatever I was in 
and felt very much better for it. And I thought, this is great. So I then recommended it to a friend. It, well, he was a Swiss, actually, and he suffered very greatly with stress. Whenever he got stressed, his hands would become covered in blisters. Okay. And he performed the technique, as I explained it to him, as roughly as we've spoken. And uh, after two attempts, his hands, the blisters on his hands, just disappeared. Wow. And I thought, it's pretty good. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Excellent. So it sounds very much like you're, you're in the moment, and hence you mentioned the meditative state, that kind of mindfulness. And you talked about going down your spine and accessing your emotions. How, how would one do that? Is it do you consciously just bring your awareness down your spine? What, what did you do? Well, what I found was that things just sort of happened to me. As I got into the state... And that, that, this is one that I'm not sure would apply to everybody in the same way. But I found, and people, other people have said, that um, bad emotions often end up um, in the bottom of your spine or feel as though they're there. Whether they're really there or not, I've no idea. But that's what it felt like. And so that's what I proceeded with. Okay. Excellent. And you... you and has other people expressed a similar experience of those emotions bubbling away? Uh, no, not really. People don't really discuss it with me. There are a few people who have tried it, and they all say they like it. Okay. But a lot of people just say, oh, yeah, imagination, boom, 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 <laughs> and uh, start looking away. And when I've tried to explain it to a doctor, his eyes just glazed over. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yet there has been so much research into the benefits of meditation and mindfulness and whatever label you give it is by being in the moment and taking the time to feel your body, go through your five senses seems to open something up in us, which you discovered through your wonderful dog. Absolutely. Yeah. And I found it worked brilliantly for me. I used to do it fairly regularly for a while and then found I needed it less. I just, I think I became less stress oriented and less, anxiety prone okay when you said you did it for uh, regularly on a for a little while was that did you do it during the mornings afternoons evenings is it more than one time a day uh, different times a day depending on how i felt if i was feeling a bit stressed up then i would do it then um usually it would probably be in the morning though okay excellent and you had a wonderful example of the um the man from Switzerland, wasn't it, uh, with the blisters? Yeah. And do you have any other examples you can share with us? Um, trying to think, um, directly relating to that technique, because uh, there are other things where people have been suffering from, uh, say, a lady was suffering from hay fever for 46 years. Wow. And a quarter of an hour chat with her, effectively. And she cured herself and has never used her inhaler since. Oh, so there are things relating to it, but not necessarily exactly uh, a copy of that technique. Okay, so the, the, so by the sounds of it, that you can tailor it to individuals? Um, I, I would guess so, yes. Plus the fact you don't really know what's happening in other people's mind. You, I'm telling them something, but what they're hearing may not be quite the same as what I'm intending. Yes, people often need to hear what they need to hear. 
or what they're ready to hear? Uh, yes, yeah, well, what they're ready to hear, I think, yes. Okay. A lot of people say, oh, that's just imagination, forgetting that, of course, the subconscious mind is the most powerful thing. And if you've got, if your conscious mind is the size of a cup of coffee, your unconscious mind is the size of the house you're in, you know. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And it sounds like the technique you come, you, you observe that your dog was using uh, and that you've used uh, with various people is a way to access the uh, subconscious mind, the unconscious mind. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, it's sure difficult to talk about that. The dissociation seems to help when yes. you look the window watching yourself in the garden, which sounds a little bit odd. But it does <laughs> seem to enable me to uh, dig around in those other parts of my brain. Yes. So it sounds like you, you're taking some of the core aspects from the NLP training you've done. So like the submodalities, which would be dissociation and disassociation. You're taking the, you know, the five senses and using it in a way that is very meditative and uh, creating experiences, not just for yourself, but for other people. Yes. Yeah, the um, NLP and neuro-linguistic programming bits and pieces like the uh, senses, um, I just found them really useful. And, and it's sort of a standard technique for anything, really. Yes. So I'm sure there's a few listeners that have hay fever and they'll probably be wondering when you said you had a conversation. So using some of the, I'm guessing some of the relaxation techniques, were you using some of the NLP language patterns from Milton maybe? Um, oh, definitely. And it was involving uh, things like, um, uh, you know, you, you use models such as what getting them to watch themselves in the garden in the presence of something like hay fever inducing pollen, but uh, but it isn't active. You know, things like that. Do you follow that? I'm sorry, that yes. was a bit No, that's okay. I, I think it's coming back to your uh, earlier comment about imagination. I think a lot of people undervalue their imagination in favour of language. Oh, indeed. Indeed. And, and I think the impact that I think imagination becomes before language. Language triggers ima imagination. Definitely, because you have to use your mind to understand what you're listening to, don't you? De definitely, yes. And if somebody was interested in developing their imagination, what would you suggest that they do? Oh, that's a big one. It is. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I've always had a creative imagination anyway. Um, at the moment, what am I doing? I'm, oh, I'm at the age of 74, I started studying Italian because I don't know Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but that again creates all kinds of little links the the words you don't expect that i mean bicchiere means glass literally but is that where we get the word beaker from oh yeah because it it's not so close to the german version becher that we uh, claim it to be yes so and that stimulates all kinds of things in my weird imagination <laughs> So one of the keys to a long, happy life is taking the time to appreciate the moment through the, through the five senses, stimulating imagination, and play with language, it sounds like. 
Uh, well, maybe. I mean, it is neuro-linguistic programming, isn't it? So it is. maybe that's the link to foreign. I've always enjoyed foreign languages since I was very small. I remember when my parents bought a new bit of equipment back in the ooh, 40s, I suppose. Um, it always had a leaflet in 12 languages, and I used to read these avidly, not being able to understand them. <laughs> but I think it showed an early interest in uh, linguistics. Yes. Ah, fabulous. Well, I think it's a very powerful technique, like I said right at the beginning. And I think there's several things that I've taken away from it, from sure, is that there's opportunity to learn from the world around us. And I think, you know, dogs, cats, every situation, we have a chance to learn something. Definitely. Yeah, and one of the things I would like to emphasize is that I never claim to cure people. No. They cure themselves with my help. Yes. And, and, I think and that's one really of, important. It is. I think it's one of the things that the, the human body does really well. If you give it the opportunity to heal itself, to do what it needs to do, it will take that opportunity. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are other subjects like self-hypnosis for controlling pain and things like that, but we won't go into those now. <laughs> but they're all part of this massive subconscious mind that we each have. Definitely, definitely. And I think the tools that we have to be able to tap into them, uh, doesn't matter what we call them, if the, it's what works for the individual person. And I think that's one of the things that's come across in this interview is that when you've worked with different people, you've used what's right for them rather than trying to fit them into your a preconceived idea. Oh, so important because their imagination and their subconscious mind is going to be different from mine because it's full of completely different experiences uh, from all their lives, some of them quite long lives. Yes, so it sounds like you work with people on a one-to-one basis, so various people come and see you. Um, is there any area that you specialize in? Um, no, it's more a question of opportunity because one of the strange things that did happen was that I was dealing with phobias. People, there were women at church who had phobias. One of being touched, if you touched her on the arm just in conversation, she would be reduced to a shivering wreck and have to sit down and another one refused to come in because there were butterflies in there she had a complete phobia and in her house every picture of butterfly had been covered over where well, in both those cases i was able to through talking to them or listening to them very often and to eliminate those and the woman with the phobia of touching us she was 66 at the time and had had this all her life and uh, I thought I'd failed because after an hour she wouldn't ever think of the things that I asked her to think of etc etc but the following week I uh, said oh how are you and she shook my hand wow, oh, wow. success yes um so it, it had worked, but not by me curing them, but by getting them to think in certain ways. Yes. Yes, that's wonderful. That's, that's in the spirit of the Milton Erickson approach, isn't it? Yes. But what did happen then was that a group of people then decided I was a witch and so oh. refused to talk. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. 
sometimes NLP seems like magic, but there's a process behind it. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, And it's all explainable or explicable. Yes. Uh, Thank you for sharing your wisdom, Dan. And if somebody wanted to get in contact with you to maybe ask you some questions or maybe even to seek out your help, how would they contact you? Uh, Email is probably the best. Okay. Um, You've got that, but that's future sunshine at yahoo.co.uk. Sorry, future sunshine 2000 in digits uh, at yahoo.co.uk. Okay, excellent. And we'll put that onto the website. And uh, thank you ever so much for sharing your experience. Um, What's wonderful about a podcast and something like this is that we can get to share ideas, bounce ideas off each other, and share the wisdom that I find within NLP, the people that come along, not only their lives transformed, but everybody they seem to touch has a, has a reaction to that. Right. <laughs> the grandiose thought to end on there. Yes, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, thanks, Dan. Until next week. And if you know anybody who would love to come on and share their experience, that would be wonderful. We're always looking for people. And uh, if you've got any questions, put them in the comments below. And please do contact Dan. He's, as, as you hear, he's very willing to share his knowledge and experience. Okay, till next week. See you then. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And make sure to head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter. This will ensure you're kept fully up to date on the latest in-depth NLP topics of interest. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistic programming and beyond.